Lesson 2 for April 4 through to 10, The Origin and Nature of the Bible. Sabbath afternoon, April 4. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that this week as we study about how the Bible came into being, the origin and nature of the Bible, I just personally want to thank you for the interest that I've had in this for so long, but also the inspiration it brings to know that you have had your hand in the production of this amazing library of books to be your word for us. We pray as we open your word this week that each of us who are listening will be blessed and that your word will come alive for us. We pray in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Our memory text for this week is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Let's read that again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The way we see and understand the origin and nature of Scripture greatly impacts the role that the Bible plays in our lives and in the church at large. How we interpret the Bible is significantly shaped and influenced by our understanding of the process of revelation and inspiration. When we want to understand Scripture correctly, we first of all need to allow the Bible to determine the basic parameters of how it should be treated. We cannot study mathematics with the empirical methods employed in biology or sociology. We cannot study physics with the same tools used to study history. In a similar manner, the spiritual truths of the Bible will not be known and understood correctly by atheistic methods that approach the Bible as if God did not exist. Instead, our interpretation of Scripture needs to take seriously the divine human dimension of God's Word. Hence, what is needed for a proper interpretation of Scripture is that we approach the Bible in faith rather than with methodological scepticism or doubt. This week, we will look at some foundational aspects of the origin and nature of the Bible that should impact our interpretation and understanding of it. Sunday, April 5, The Divine Revelation of the Bible Question, read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19-21. to 21. How does Peter express his conviction about the origin of the biblical prophetic message? 
2 Peter 1, beginning at verse 19, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. The Bible is not like any other book. According to the Apostle Peter, the prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit in such a way that the content of their message came from God. They did not invent it themselves. Rather than being cunningly devised fables, 2 Peter 1.16, the prophetic message of the Bible is of divine origin, and thus it is truthful and trustworthy, as it says in 2 Peter 1.21, holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God was at work in the process of revelation, where he made known his will to selected human beings. Direct verbal communication between God and particular human beings is an inseparable fact of the Scriptures. This is why the Bible has special divine authority, and we need to take the divine element into consideration in our interpretation of the Scriptures. Having our holy God as their ultimate author, the biblical books are aptly called Holy Scriptures, in Romans chapter 1, verse 2, and 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. They were given for practical purposes too. They are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that all God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. We also need the help of the Holy Spirit to apply to our lives what God has revealed in his word. According to the Apostle Peter, the interpretation of the divinely revealed word of God is not a matter of our own opinions. We need God's word and the Holy Spirit to rightly understand its meanings. Scripture also says in Amos 3.7, Surely, the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. The biblical words for revelation, in its various forms, express the idea that something previously hidden has now been disclosed or unveiled and thus becomes known and made manifest. As human beings, we need such an uncovering, or revelation, for we are sinful beings, separated from God because of our sin, and therefore dependent upon Him to know His will. And so to finish today, it's hard enough obeying the Bible even when we believe in its divine origin. What would happen if we came to distrust or even to question that divine origin? Monday, April 6, The Process of Inspiration Because God used the medium of language to reveal His will to humankind, divine revelation is capable of being written down. 
Yet, as we also have seen, the Bible is the result of God's revealing truth to us through the work of the Holy Spirit, who transmits and safeguards His message through human instruments. This is the reason why we can expect the fundamental unity that is seen in all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. For instance, let's compare Genesis 3, 14 and 15 to Revelation 12, 17. Revelation 3, beginning at verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And Revelation 12.17 And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Question. Read Second Peter one verse twenty one, Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen, and Deuteronomy eighteen eighteen. What do these texts say about the inspiration of Scripture? Second Peter one verse twenty one. For the prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3:16 and 17 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work and Deuteronomy 18 verse 18 I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him all of scripture is divinely inspired even if not all parts are equally inspiring to read or even necessarily applicable to us today for example The sections about the Hebrew feasts were inspired even though we're not required to keep them today. Yet we need to learn from all of Scripture, even from those parts that are not so easy to read and understand and that are not specifically applicable to us now. Also, not everything in the Bible was directly or supernaturally revealed. Sometimes, God used biblical writers who carefully investigated things or used other existing documents to communicate his message. And we're going to look at that in these texts. Firstly, Joshua chapter 10 and verse 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And Luke chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. Even then, 
All Scripture is inspired, as we read in 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is the reason why Paul states that whatever was written was written for our instruction, so that through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Romans 15 verse 4. Ellen White writes in The Great Controversy, page 7, The Bible points to God as its author. Yet it was written by human hands, and in the varied styles of its different books it presents the characteristics of the several writers. The truths revealed are all given by inspiration of God, 2 Timothy 3.16, yet they are expressed in the words of men. End of quote. So to finish today, today there are biblical scholars who deny divine authorship of many parts of the Bible, even to the point where many crucial teachings, creation, the exodus, the resurrection, are denied. Why is it so essential that we not open that door even a bit? After all, are we to pass judgment upon the word of God? Tuesday, April 7, The Written Word of God Question. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for according to the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Exodus 34.27 Why would the Lord have Moses write down these words as opposed to having Moses recite them to the people only? What is the obvious advantage of the written word? The God who speaks and who created human language enables chosen people to communicate the divinely revealed truths and divinely inspired thoughts in a trustworthy and reliable manner. Hence, it is no surprise to find that God commanded biblical writers early on to commit his instruction and revelation in writing. Question. What do the following texts teach about written revelation? Exodus 17, verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book, and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Exodus 24, verse 4. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Joshua 24, verse 26. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak tree that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Jeremiah 30, verse 2. Thus speaks the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you. Revelation 1, 11, Saying, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. 
And Revelation 1, verse 19, Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. And Revelation 21, verse 5, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Why did God command that his revelation and inspired messages be written down? The obvious answer is so that we will not forget them so easily. The written words of the Bible are a constant reference point that directs us to God and his will. A written document usually can be preserved better and be much more reliable than oral messages, which must be told again and again. The written word, which can be copied again and again, also can be made accessible to many more people than if it were spoken only. Last, we can speak to a limited number of people at one time in one place. But what is committed to writing can be read by countless readers in many different locations and continents, and even be a blessing numerous generations later. In fact, if people can't themselves read... Others can read a written document aloud to them. Wednesday, April 8, The Parallel Between Christ and scripture question read john chapter 1 verse 14 john 2:22 john 8:31 and 32 and john 17:17 17, 17. what parallels do you see between jesus the word of god made flesh and scripture the written word of god first of all john 1:14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. And John 2, verse 22, Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. And John 8, verses 31 and 32, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. There is a parallel between the word of God who became flesh, that is Jesus Christ, and the written word of God, that is scripture. Just as Jesus was supernaturally conceived by the Holy Spirit, yet born of a woman, Holy Scripture also is of supernatural origin, yet delivered through human beings. Jesus Christ became a man in time and space. He lived during a specific time and at a specific place. Yet this fact did not nullify his divinity. 
nor did it make Jesus historically relative. He is the only Redeemer for all people, all over the world, throughout all time, as we read in Acts 4.12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Likewise, God's written word, the Bible, also was given at a specific time and in a particular culture. Just like Jesus Christ, the Bible is not time-conditioned, that is, limited to a specific time and location. Instead, it remains binding for all people all over the world. When God revealed himself, he came down to the human level. Jesus' human nature showed all the signs of human infirmities and the effect of some 4,000 years of degeneration. Yet, he was without sin. Similarly, the language of Scripture is human language, and not some perfect superhuman language that no one speaks or is able to understand. While any language has its limitations, the creator of humankind, who is the creator of human language, is perfectly capable of communicating his will to human beings in a trustworthy manner without misleading us. Of course, every comparison has its limits. Jesus Christ and Holy Scripture are not identical. The Bible is not an incarnation of God. God is no book. God, in Jesus Christ, became human. We love the Bible because we worship the Saviour proclaimed in its pages. The Bible is a unique and inseparable divine-human union. Ellen G. White saw this clearly when she wrote in The Great Controversy, page 8. The Bible, with its God-given truths expressed in the language of men, presents a union of the divine and the human. Such a union existed in the nature of Christ, who was the Son of God and the Son of Man. Thus it is true of the Bible, as it was in Christ, that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. End of quote. So to finish today, why must Scripture be foundational to our faith? Without it, where would we be? Thursday, April 9. Understanding the Bible in Faith. Question. Read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 3 and 6. Why is faith so essential in understanding God and His Word? Why is it impossible to please God without faith? First of all, Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And Hebrews 11, verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All true learning takes place in the context of faith. 
It is the implicit faith of the child toward his or her parents that enables the child to learn new things. It is a trusting relationship that guides the child to learn the basic and fundamental aspects of life and love. Knowledge and understanding, therefore, grow out of a loving and trusting relationship. In the same vein, a good musician plays a piece of music well when he or she not only masters the technical skills that help one to play an instrument, but also when he or she exhibits a love for the music, the composer and the instrument. In a similar way, we do not understand the Bible correctly when we approach it with an attitude of scepticism or methodological doubt, but in the spirit of love and faith. The Apostle Paul wrote in Hebrews 11 verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Thus, it is indispensable to approach the Bible in faith, acknowledging its supernatural origin rather than seeing the Bible just as a human book. Seventh-day Adventists clearly have expressed this insight into the supernatural origin of Scripture in the first fundamental belief of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which states, The Holy Scriptures, Old and New Testaments, are the written Word of God, given by divine inspiration. The inspired authors spoke and wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In His Word, God has committed to humanity the knowledge necessary for salvation. The Holy Scriptures are the supreme, authoritative, and infallible revelation of His will. They are the standard of character, the test of experience, the definitive revealer of doctrines, and the trustworthy record of God's acts in history. And then there are a whole series of texts attached here as part of this statement. Let's read them. First is Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Isaiah 8 verse 20. To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. John seventeen seventeen. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And Hebrews 4 verse 12, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And Second Peter 1 verses 20 and 21, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. End of quote.
And so to finish the day. What are people missing in their understanding of the Bible when they do not approach Scripture from an attitude of faith? Why is this faith not blind? That is, what are the good reasons that we have for this faith, and why is faith still a necessity when dealing with the truths of the Bible? Friday, April 10. Some further thoughts. Read the following pages from the document Methods of Bible Study, Paragraph 2, Presuppositions Arising from the Claims of Scripture, Part A, Origin, and Part B, Authority. Methods of Bible Study can be found at www.adventistbiblicalresearch.org slash material slash Bible dash interpretation dash hermeneutics slash methods dash Bible dash study. Let's read that. Here we go with the paragraph titled Origin. 1. The Bible is the Word of God and is the primary and authoritative means by which He reveals Himself to human beings. 2. The Holy Spirit inspired the Bible writers with thoughts, ideas and objective information. In turn, they expressed these in their own words. Therefore, the Scriptures are an indivisible union of human and divine elements, neither of which should be emphasised to the neglect of the other, as we saw in Second Peter 1.21 and Great Controversy, page 5 and 6. 3. All Scripture is inspired by God and came through the work of the Holy Spirit. However, it did not come in a continuous chain of unbroken revelations. As the Holy Spirit communicated truth to the Bible writer, each wrote as he was moved by the Holy Spirit, emphasizing the aspect of the truth which was led which he was led to stress. For this reason, the student of the Bible will gain a rounded comprehension on any subject by recognizing that the Bible is its own best interpreter, and when studied as a whole, it depicts a consistent, harmonious truth, as we read in Second Timothy 3.16, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, and um, the book Selected Messages, Book 1, page 19 and 20, and The Great Controversy, page 5 and 6. 4. Although it was given to those who lived in the ancient Near Eastern Mediterranean context, the Bible transcends its cultural backgrounds to serve as God's word for all cultural, racial and situational contexts in all ages. B. Authority 1. The 66 books of the Old and New Testament are the clear, infallible revelation of God's will and His salvation. The Bible is the Word of God, and it alone is the standard by which all teaching and experience must be tested. Texts here are 2 Timothy 3.15 and 17, Psalm 119, verse 105, Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6, Isaiah 8, verse 20, John 17.17, 17, 2 Thessalonians 3.14, and Hebrews 4.12. 2. Scripture is an authentic, reliable record of history and God's acts in history. 
It provides the normative theological interpretation of those acts. The supernatural acts revealed in Scripture are historically true. For example, chapters 1 to 11 of Genesis are a factual account of historical events. 3. The Bible is not like other books. It is an indivisible blend of the divine and the human. Its record of many details of secular history is integral to its overall purpose to convey salvation history. While at times there may be parallel procedures employed by Bible students to determine historical data, the usual techniques of historical research based as they are on human presuppositions and focused on the human element are inadequate for interpreting the scriptures, which are a blend of the divine and human. Only a method that fully recognises the individual nature of the scriptures can avoid a distortion of its message. 4. Human reason is subject to the Bible, not equal to or above it. Presuppositions regarding the Scriptures must be in harmony with the claims of the Scriptures and subject to correction by them, as we could read in 1 Corinthians 2, 1-6. God intends that human reason be used to its fullest extent, but within the context and under the authority of His Word, rather than independent of it. 5. The revelation of God in all nature, when properly understood, is in harmony with the written word and is to be interpreted in the light of Scripture. And now in the lesson pamphlet. As essential as the Bible is to our faith, it alone would be of no real spiritual value for us were it not for the influence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds as we read and study it. In the Great Controversy, page 9, we read, In His Word, God has committed to men the knowledge necessary for salvation. The Holy Scriptures are to be accepted as an authoritative, infallible revelation of His will. They are the standard of character, the revealer of doctrines, and the test of experience. Yet, the fact that God has revealed His will to men through His Word has not rendered needless the continued presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. On the contrary, the Spirit was promised by our Saviour to open the Word to His servants, to illuminate and apply its teachings. And, since it was the Spirit of God that inspired the Bible, it is impossible that the teaching of the Spirit should ever be contrary to that of the Word of God. End of quote. And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. 1. Why does God reveal Himself and His will to us? Why do we need revelation? 2. How can God reveal Himself? God uses different means to reveal something about Himself. He does so in a more general way through nature. But, more specifically, through dreams, as in Daniel 7.1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed that he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. And visions in Genesis 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Signs, as in First Kings 18, verse 24, Then you 
Call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God will answer by fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And also in First Kings 18.38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench, and through his Son, Jesus Christ as we read about in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Has God revealed himself to you personally? Share your experience. 3. Some Bible scholars reject many of the teachings of the Bible, seeing them as mere myths. Teachings such as the creation story, a literal Adam and Eve, the Exodus, and the stories of Daniel are just a few examples from the Old Testament of teachings that are dismissed as nothing but made-up stories designed to teach spiritual truths. This is what happens when humans pass judgment upon God's word. What should this tell us about how dangerous such an attitude clearly is? For God has revealed his will in a powerful way in the Bible. Yet God desires your help in spreading his will and the good news of his salvation in Jesus Christ alone. When people observe you, what kind of God do they see in you and through your behaviour. Inside Story Our mission story this week is titled Three Filipino Baptisms in Cyprus and it's by Andrew McChesney of Adventist Mission. Yolanda Muller, a Filipino domestic worker in Cyprus, saw that her friend Beatrice had tagged her in a Seventh-day Adventist sermon on Facebook. Muller had met Beatrice, a Filipino domestic worker in Israel, several years earlier when they both worked as domestic helpers in Taiwan. Mala remembered that Beatrice had been baptised recently in Israel. Why did you become a Seventh-day Adventist? she wrote on Facebook. This is where I feel comfortable, Beatrice replied. Just watch the video that I sent you and you'll understand. Mala clicked on the video and heard a sermon about God setting aside the Seventh-day Sabbath at creation reminding his people to keep the Sabbath with the Ten Commandments and calling for Sabbath observance throughout the New Testament. Mallow was surprised and checked the sermon's text in the Bible. She saw that the Sabbath was on Saturday. Why have I gone to so many churches and never heard a pastor preach about the Sabbath, she wondered. Why does no one else talk about the Sabbath? She called Beatrice This has opened my mind, she said. I want to find this church that keeps the Sabbath, but where can I find it in Cyprus? Beatrice did some research and sent the telephone number of Branislav Mirilov, president of the Adventist Church in Cyprus. Mala called and received directions to the church in her town, Limassol. 
Mala began attending the church's Bible study group on Sundays. Soon, she invited a cousin, Michelin, also a domestic worker in Cyprus, to accompany her. Then she invited another Filipino domestic worker, Maria, to attend as well. But Maria cared for an elderly woman who needed round-the-clock care, and she couldn't get permission to leave the house. No problem, said Marisa Mirilov, who is married to a ch- the church president and works as a Bible worker. We can do the Bible studies on Facebook Messenger. In a short time, Mala, Michelin and Maria were baptized. Leading friends to baptism is the natural result of knowing Jesus, said Yolanda Mala, aged 42, a single mother still working in Cyprus to support seven and eight-year-old sons in the Philippines. Even though I come from a broken home, I have strength because I have learned that I have hope, she said. Part of the 13th Sabbath offering this quarter will help construct a new church building and community centre in Nicosia, Cyprus. This lesson was read by Dr. Percy Harold for Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, Christian Record Services for the Blind, the Sabbath School Department and Hope Channel. You can also listen on the official Sabbath School 4 app and the Apple iTunes app, Sabbath School with Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful.